The desert wind is a raider. This is the Silver and Black Today podcast. The latest in Raiders news, views, and interviews from the home of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Check out the only independent news source covering the Raiders based in Las Vegas. And now your host, Scott Goldbranson. Long time no talk. Hey, it's Scott Branson, Silver and Black Today podcast. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Thanks again for listening as we get set for a new podcast. So much to catch up on, and we want to get started with that and talk a little bit about what's going on here on our end. Of course, uh, later in the show, we will be talking with Hondo Carpenter, our good friend from over at Sports Illustrated's Raider Maven website. Of course, uh, you guys are familiar. We had Hondo on a lot when it came came to uh, our Raider Nation radio t- uh radio show, of course, that uh, we concluded at the end of February due to some issues I had from a health perspective, but I'm back. I'm feeling better. So thank you again. I continue to get great notes from all of you out there about that, but I'm doing better and working on that stuff uh, as well as getting ready to move. So it's sort of uh, been uh, a lot of things going on there, but you know, we, we still want to thank you guys. We're so proud. You know, not everybody likes our stuff. Not everybody reads our content or listens to our content, but uh, we went from being a small startup website site to having a radio show daily on the Las Vegas Raiders flagship radio station. So a lot of people, a lot of work went into that, uh, and we appreciated your support there. We miss being on the air every day, and we certainly miss talking to all of you, but thank you for that, uh, and thank you for you know letting us be on that little platform uh, known as the Raiders flagship station. Uh, so appreciative of the folks over at Lotus Broadcasting uh, for allowing us to do that, and of course the Raiders as well well for their cooperation. But we move on now. And as you might know, just a little bit of an update, silverandblacktoday.com, the website I started back in 2017, uh, we've merged that with a site here in town in Las Vegas uh, that was owned by a gentleman by the name of Mike Dixon, who's now a partner of ours, um, Vegas Sports Daily. We now are Vegas Sports Today. We're not just covering the Raiders. Of course, the Raiders are going to be a massive part of our coverage, but we're also covering the rest of Las Vegas sports, uh, including the Vegas Golden Knights of the NHL, who are currently battling the Colorado Avalanche in the NHL playoffs. So we're going to do a lot. We've had uh, our writer, Noah Strang, who you also know covers the Raiders. Noah's a hockey guy. He's based in Canada. He's done just an amazing job of covering the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Golden Knights thus far. So if you haven't read that, do that. But make sure you go to VegasSportsToday.com. That's where you'll get our Raiders coverage. That's where you'll see this podcast as well. Uh, We're real proud of that. We're part of the Publisher Desk Network. It's a national network of news and sports and lifestyle websites. uh, That is fantastic. They've been an ad partner in the past, but now we are in full partnership with the publisher desk. They are part of this venture here uh, and as invested as we are. So it's very exciting. We're going to grow this thing and and see a lot of it change over time. Also, from a Raiders perspective, um, of course, you know Mo Moten, who has covered the Raiders for us in the past. We continue to have him part of the coverage. So you'll still see Mo and hopefully we'll get him here on the podcast pretty soon. Also, uh, in addition, our main Raiders writer, uh, and you'll hear him too on the podcast from time to time, uh, is Kirk Kern. Kirk is a longtime uh, sports writer, also newspaper writer and editor. He's worked at the Las Vegas Review Journal, of course, which you're familiar with, but also the San Diego Union Tribune and others. He's also published his own magazines and newspapers. He also writes for the Associated Press 
where he covers UNLV football and basketball in the past, as well as other things. For us, he's going to be our main writer's writer. So when it comes to the day-to-day stuff, when it comes to being out at practice and being at home games, most of the time that will be Kirk. So make sure you check out his stuff. You'll start to see that stuff coming on. But he is a 30-year veteran of sports media and media newspapers and online publications. So this is a guy, uh, and again, it just goes to show you that we are upping the ante here into the game. We're starting to get, uh, I think, writers and and contributors here that are great, as well as Thomas Viola, who you might have seen or heard on the VEASAN network if you're a sports gaming uh, um, aficionado, if you gamble a little bit. But uh, Tom uh, Tom is also somebody who covers esports. So we're going to be covering esports. So if you're into esports, you'll start to see that more on the website as well as UFC and boxing which we have a lot of that as well so stay tuned for that Uh, but lots going on here but first we're here to talk about Raiders right so I haven't been quote-unquote on the air had a podcast in in uh, since the before the draft so a lot has transpired I'm not going to try to catch up on all that because that would be rehashing Uh, but we'll talk about the OTAs and how the Raiders have looked so far and what his observations are from our uncle Hondo Hondo Carpenter of Sports Illustrated's Raider Maven website He's going to be with us uh, later on in the podcast, so we'll get his take on how things are going out uh, at, um, at the Raiders practice facility here in Henderson, Nevada. And we'll talk to him about that. But first, I want to dive in on one of the the the, the kind of topics du jour that have been focused or has been the focus of some in Raider Nation. Okay, I know it's old news now, at least the trade that happened this past weekend, the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. Um, but I want to visit the whole kind of fascination that I saw with some in Raider Nation had in trying to trade for Julio Jones. Now, listen, I've never questioned Julio Jones' talent. He's got the talent. He's been a great wide receiver in the past. I was never in favor of the Raiders making Making the move, um, and our writer over at VegasSportsToday.com, uh, Jeremy Long, also wrote about it, and he's too saying that Jones wasn't a good target for the Raiders. Not taking away from the player, but many of of, of folks out there, I, I think, we're enamored. You hear these names pop out. And it happens in every fan base. But with the Raider fans this year, it seems to be that Julio Jones, that when that name popped up, a lot of folks wanted to go get him, right? But I, I look at it from this perspective. And, and again, I'm wrong all the time. I'm never a person out there in social media saying I'm right all the time. And I don't really care if you agree with my opinion or not. You can take it or leave it. doesn't bother me. Believe me, I don't lose sleep overnight. Uh, uh, at night over it, I should say. But are the Raiders simply a top-notch receiver away from being a Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. If you're believing that, it's time to stay out of Nevada's cannabis dispensaries, okay? Or wherever you're getting your weed, because that's not what the Raiders... Not saying, again, don't don't take my words and, and twist them. I'm not saying that the Raiders can't get better at every position, because I really believe that you can at any time. I don't care how good you are. If you can get better, you try to do it. Julio Jones, amazing talent, but the Raiders have the wide receivers uh, in place. Whether or not they're going to be able to fulfill the needs they have, we'll have to see. We'll have to see it on the field. But they have Darren Waller. Now, before you start nitpicking and saying, Waller's a tight end, look at his number. I mean, just look at his numbers. He's a tight end, but he has the production of a wideout. Okay, there's no questioning how good Darren Waller is and can be. You add in the young guys, Henry Ruggs III, who many of you have already given up on. I have not. I just, I just refuse to believe it. Um, but if you look at that and you look at Henry Ruggs, good young guy. You have Brian Edwards. Again, Brian Edwards has to stay healthy. 
Edwards has to stay healthy. And I think some people are making him into more than he should be. This guy's got to prove it. But he's another young wide receiver who the Raiders invested in, and he has promise. Again, he's got to prove it. Nothing has been proven. Okay? Um, Then there's our man third in Renfro, Hunter Renfro, who used to do a weekly spot on our show. Then you have Mike Mayock and John Gruden went out and signed John Brown from the Bills. They even picked up Willie Sneed from the Ravens. So tell me why Raider Nation felt that the team had to give up draft capital for another receiver. To me, it just makes no sense. Now, if you are of the mindset, which I know some of you are, that the receivers they've drafted and they have in-house are not good enough. If you've made that assumption then I understand you wanting to go out and get better at it, okay? And again, these guys have a lot to prove. These young guys, Edwards, Ruggs, okay? I get it. I'm not saying that they are bona fide stars because we haven't seen it yet. I thought Henry Ruggs last year, he struggled at times, but I also thought the team struggled getting him involved. There's lots at play there. It's not simple. He needs to do better. The coaching needs to do better. The quarterback needs to get him more involved. There's a lot happening there. So it's not just one thing. And as I've said, again, the Raiders looking to get better on both sides of the ball, that's great. But the defense should have been and has been the priority for this team to get in the playoffs. Sure, they blew up the offensive line. They spent both draft capital and money there. It had to be done. I mean, I know a lot of people were sad to see Rodney Hudson go, a great player as well. But they developed some good guys there, like we're seeing Andre James now, most likely the starting center. But I was never on board with even exploring trading for Julio Jones. Did the Raiders at least ask the price? I'm sure, I would imagine. But for all the BS thrown at Gruden that he falls in love with players, it hasn't happened trade-wise since Antonio Brown, really. I mean, what else am I missing? Okay? And, And if you disagree, that's fine. Disagree. I don't care. But I'm just telling you that you either trust in what they're doing or you don't. And if you don't, great. Complain about it. Do whatever you want to do. Be toxic. That's up to you. But I know Raider Nation just wants to win, whatever it takes. Just win, baby, right? And believe me, I have some doubts about the 2021 Raiders. But not for one minute did I think Julio Jones was an answer or that it made much sense for them to do that. Unless they got it ungodly cheap. If they could get him for a fourth or fifth round draft pick, okay, you know, I get it. And then we could argue over whether the Raiders have been successful enough in the draft with their capital, i.e. see Henry Ruggs III. But no matter what you think of Derek Carr, the Raiders' offense is good. I'm not saying great. I'm not saying good enough yet. It has room for improvement, especially in the red zone. And it needs more offensive creativity in my view. But overall, it's a good offense. You added Kenyon Drake, a sneaky good pickup in my view. Whether they overpaid for him, I'll leave that to you. Giving a 1A back to Josh Jacobs to keep him healthy and perhaps for the first time play a full season. That could be big. Now, Not everybody loves the Kenyon Drake pick. It's been widely panned nationally. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But for those who wanted Julio Jones, I kind of, you know, again, a great player. I don't take anything away from the guy, but I found that most of you who were enamored with that were blinded by the past. Even some people were tweeting at me, the ones that I haven't muted because they're so toxic, uh, asserted that those of us in the media in Las Vegas don't know what we're talking about when we hear about Jones and his reported lax practice habits, the fact that his touchdown production is way down, and that he often takes himself out of games. So 
And that goes with the territory. I don't care who criticizes me. I don't care what you call me. It doesn't matter. But I will tell you, those weren't my words. Those were the words of someone who covered Julio Jones his entire career. Well, some of you threw back and said, well, that's not what his coach says. That's not what so-and-so says. You know, you have to understand that an NFL coach or some NFL analysts, they're not going to come out and criticize a guy openly. You never know when things come back around. You don't burn bridges. I know the Twitter army, the Twitter negativity force out there, you're going you're gonna to burn bridges all day long because you don't care because you're hiding behind a keyboard and you're stuck in some, some house somewhere. But in the NFL, there's a game here. It's a business. You don't throw somebody under the bus even if you believe some of that to be true. But I want to play a clip from one of our Raider Nation radio shows from this last season. And this is where that came from. I didn't just pull out of my backside about Julio Jones and practice habits and touchdown production and taking himself out of games, okay? I didn't just make that up. So you can blame Las Vegas writers or, or whatever you want to do, but that's not where it came from. This clip we played uh, it was right before the Raiders played the Falcons, my good friend now back home in Philly hosting his radio show there, John Kincaid, joined us to preview the Falcons. He covered the team for 20 years and Julio Jones his entire career. And I want to play what John said about Julio Jones, okay? And so if you want to call John Kincaid a liar, then you can tweet at him and call him a liar. But I think not. <laughs> he covered the team. Uh, he was at the games. He knew the coaching staff. He knew players on the team. He developed sources and, 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 and relationships with these guys for 20 years. So here's what John Kincaid had to say about Julio Jones when we talked about him prior to the Raiders playing the Falcons this past season. Oh, Julio Jones got a new contract, and then he demanded a renegotiation, and then he got another renegotiation on his contract. This contract he's on right now, they've renegotiated it twice. And Julio Jones is a guy who doesn't practice, flat out. And you can talk about all his talent, and you can talk about everything that Julio Jones can do in the highlight films moves that he can make. But Julio Jones is a guy who practices at his convenience. Julio Jones is a guy who followed the country club routine that Tony Gonzalez had here. I'll practice when I want, and I'll show up on Sundays, and I'll play. And they continually gave him pay raises for it, even though he hasn't been productive in the touchdown numbers compared to the other greats of the game that he's constantly compared to. He has trouble finding the end zone. He takes himself out of games, too, far too often. All right, there you go, John Kincaid. Again, not my word, not some Las Vegas writers making stuff up. No, it's John Kincaid. <laughs> National host, CBS Sports Radio, 20 years in Atlanta, covering the Falcons, now in Philadelphia with a daily talk show, okay? So if you want to call John Kincaid a liar and that he's making it up, all I got to do is point to his record and his, his covering the NFL for 20 plus years, all right? So, so that's what he said. Those were his words. B.D. Williams, my good friend over at Tape Don't Lie, he picked up on that as well. And again, it's not taking away from Julio Jones as a player. The Falcons allowed Julio Jones to, in essence, create his own system and how he would practice and when he would practice and wouldn't practice. It, look, if the player allows it, just like they kept renegotiating his contract, if the team allows it, do I blame the player? Yes and no. I mean, hey, if the organization can allow behavior, that's fine. 
Okay. And so he was injured last year, of course. And hey, everybody gets injured. You can't blame a player on injury. But I think that's why I didn't think it was a good fit for the Raiders. I think with the Titans, Julio Jones, great fit. Because they have other receivers there. They have a lot going on with Henry there. So what happens is Julio Jones doesn't have to be a leader of a lot of a young roster. He doesn't have to be a guy who goes in and teaches everybody by example. And maybe that's better for him. Maybe it's a better spot for him. And maybe it's better for the Titans. But I thought for the Raiders, it wasn't going to be a good fit because of that. You have a young wide receiving core. That's not an indictment on Julio Jones as a guy. But he wants to do things his way. And apparently in Atlanta, they allowed that to happen. And so to me, that's why I just thought it wasn't a good fit. That doesn't mean the Raiders can't go get a good wide receiver or upgrade at any position on offense or defense at any time. Look, the Raiders, 2021 is a big year. They have to make significant progress. And that doesn't mean winning one more game. That means getting into the playoffs. And so if Julio Jones would have been the guy to do that, I would have been all in favor of it. I just don't think it was ever a good fit. And whether or not his practice habits and all that stuff, hey, I'm going with the guy that covered the team for 20 years. Now, yes, there's coaches saying that he, he was fine and that he practices hard. Mark Schlereth, somebody tweeted that out. That's great. That's their experience. Mark Schlereth was out there for five days watching Julio Jones practice. He's got a limited view. The guy I talked to was there 20 years and saw him his entire career. So that's that. But I just think that the, the, the Raiders, they, they want to go with the guys they have for now. And whether or not they go make a move for another wide out or somebody offensively, we'll have to see. But uh, I just want to share with you and have that discussion because I just was never in favor of it. And, and I thought that, um, you know, at his age and where he's at, it wasn't a great move for a team that, that has a bunch of young guys. Now, if you get somebody else, uh, you know, I mean, if we're talking the quarterback position, which I'm not open in that can of worms, but if we're talking about the quarterback position, even though he's older and more advanced in his career, if they were a quarterback away and, and the Aaron Rodgers stuff was out there, I would, I would be in favor of that. But I look at the Raiders situation. They got a lot to prove. John Gruden, this is, I think, in many ways, at least – from a from a perception standpoint, I don't think he'll get fired, even if he doesn't have a good year. But I think it's a big year. He's got a lot to prove. The Raiders have a lot to prove. But I don't ever think Julio Jones was going to be that guy who would come in and be that big of a game changer for the Raiders. So um, I know some agree and some don't, but uh, that's that's the way I feel about it. All right. We're up against our first break. When we come back from this break... What we're going to do is we are going to talk with my good friend, Hondo Carpenter, of course, he of Sports Illustrated's Raider Maven website. We'll talk to him about uh, OTAs, what he's seen from the Raiders, who's turning his head. Him and I spent last camp and last OTAs, the OTAs were canceled, but last camp out at the Raiders practice facility together watching guys. I have not been able to do that uh, this year, but Hondo is the ears and the eyes for us, so we'll talk to him more about that as as well when we come back. This is the Silver and Black Today podcast brought to you by, of course, VegasSportsToday.com. Don't go anywhere. All right, there you go. Coming back in. Thanks for being with us here on the Silver and Black Today podcast. And we bring in now our good friend, one of the best in the business. If you're following Raiders football, then you know all about Sports Illustrated's Raider Maven and its publisher, Uncle Hondo. Hondo Carpenter now joins us. Hondo, how you doing, my man? 
Well, good, Scott. I got to tell you, on behalf of everybody, we all held our breath when you dropped off your radio show for your health, and I'm glad that you're in a good condition. I'm first of all glad because I'm a fan of you and, and all that you do, but most of all because you're my friend and I love you and care about you. So I'm the, the greatest news today is you're healthy, so thank God for that. Well, I appreciate that, my friend, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, I love you too, man. You have brought such a positivity to the Raiders' coverage, and, and, and we know there's a lot of negativity out there, and, and that's besides the X's and O's, the win and loss, record at the end of the day it comes down to people and and you're one of the best that's out there and so i thank you so much for that and i thank you for your friendship but we are going to talk raiders football now i didn't get to go out and and watch otas like you did and i want to start there in just a minute but first in the first segment i talked about the julio jones stuff you guys resisted writing about too much about this stuff the rumors that were swirling around i never thought it was a great fit i talked to john kincaid you were on that show back in fact you interviewed him with me and with Q Myers on Raider Nation Radio where he talked about his practice habits. I'm not here to to bag on a guy or anything like that. But the Raiders, you said it in one of your stories up on Raider Maven website. By the way, make sure you follow Hondo if you don't, at Hondo Carpenter on Twitter. Hondo, you talked about this and said, hey, look, you know, every team's going to kick the tires. I never saw it as a good fit, especially at early on when people were talking about first-round draft picks and such. The whole Julio Jones thing and how some people got fixed on. Did you ever see that really happening? No, and that's why we reported. Let me give, let me give you the timeline, okay? Mm-hmm. So when it became known that Julio wanted out, um, a national figure uh, started talking about the Raiders are the number one destination. Now, I've said for over a year now that I lived here covering this team that Raider Nation gets pulled into clickbait. It's just mm-hmm. like when I first came 13 months ago, the first story I wrote was there was no con- QB controversy in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And everybody at that time was saying Mariota is going to beat Carr out, that Gruden hates Carr. You may remember I took you to lunch. I told you who my sources were. Mm-hmm. That's how much I trusted you. And because you're like, you know, you could, and I told you this is why we're writing it. There is no controversy. Then when the season was coming to an end. There's a, you know, they're go, they're going to get Deshaun Watson. We came out and emphatically said no. Then there was Aaron Rodgers. We said no. So we, we first thing I did is called a buddy of mine who works for the Falcon, and I said, hey, um, I think I know the answer to this. But before I start finding out from the Raiders, what are you hearing? He said, uh, yeah, there was a phone call, and uh, the Raiders were made it very simple that you know they're not interested in and overpaying, but if it comes down to us needing to get rid of Julio, they would very be interested, but that they had to, you know, we were, we were going to have to help pay the salary and we're not doing that. Yeah. And so Honda, I, go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Sorry. So I went out and wrote that, you know, the Raiders kicked the tires. There was never an offer and said, I don't see it happening. They're still in the mix because as I kept talking to my buddy, no one was offering a first round pick. And then what I thought was funny is then other media are saying teams have offered first round picks. Okay. Well, who's going to hold those media accountable? <laughs> Cause if somebody offered a first round pick, he would not be in Tennessee today. So let me just make that real abundantly clear. So there was no first round offers. And so again, everyone's writing it. I had Raider fans sending me messages. I'm a shill for the team. As soon as June, June 1st I came around, you're going to look stupid when he signs. 
and we just stood by our guns. It, it was a, it was a, it was a no story, and that that's disappointing because these are amazing fans that deserve better. Yeah, and and I like you too. I had people coming at me over what John Kincaid said, and now here's a guy, here's a guy who covered the Falcons for twenty years. Okay, he covered Julio mm-hmm. Jones his entire career. Now that was his opinion on the practice and and kind of the as he called it country club sort of mentality. And listen, I've said it too in the first segment, Hondo, that the Falcons allowed that to happen. So it's not just the player; it's the team, the organization allowed it to happen as well. And for me, hearing that. I had concerns because of the fact that this is a young wide receiver room. This is a Raiders team who does not need that. You talked about the country club attitude that we had before with some of the Raiders situation on defense, which has now changed with Gus Bradley in the building. And so you look at players, it's not just based on talent. You have to look at fit. Does the personality fit? Does the the opportunity that that person brings to your squad make you better? Does it make the people better around him? Julio Jones, a very fine wide receiver, even even though some of his numbers have been going going down as far as touchdowns go. So to me, I think that's where sometimes fans, they, they get caught up. You're right. People, people uh, get them into clickbait. They get them into discussions, and they kind of forget about fit, and that is everything. And this team, and I keep saying, look, you have Henry Ruggs. You have Brian Edwards. You have now Sneed. You have Brown. You have these wide receivers that the Raiders have gone out, and you're right. They do not make big financial mistakes. They have not made, since the Khalil Mack trade and then, of course, the trade for Antonio Brown, which didn't work out, they have not gone out and tried to make that big splash because they believe in the guys in the building, don't they? They totally do. And what funny part was is I was flat told by someone within the Raiders organization there will not be any first-rounder traded. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And, I mean, they, they wanted to make that clear. They're happy with what they're doing. They just had an amazing draft. Just a great draft. Uh, You know, there was really, in my opinion, only one question mark in the last draft. Um, And those guys didn't get OTAs. They didn't get mini camps. That's why they they struggled a lot last year. I mean, Henry Ruggs, I said this at the end of last year, talking to people, excuse me, both representing teams that played the Raiders and teams and people within the Raiders, that Henry Ruggs' issues were not maturity. Mm-hmm. Henry Ruggs was not an immature kid. <clears throat> He's a guy that just didn't get enough in OTAs and mini camps to be what he could be. Damon Arnett's issues were maturity. Damon Arnett's issues were getting serious about football. Damon Arnett's issues were, hey, that kid needs to grow up real quick and realize the opportunity he's been given. And, I mean, so so th- there was a complete difference. But when you look at some of those guys that they drafted, and the lack of OTAs, the lack of mini camps. Last year was not a loss of a season at all. But I think they're coming back strong. I mean, everyone, uh, Henry Ruggs doesn't even look like the same player. No. He isn't playing like the same player. He knows his routes. He was able to get out with Derek working out in local parks where they didn't have to be careful because of COVID. I mean, he looks amazing. Brian Edwards looks amazing. John Brown is a stud, Sneed, Zay Jones, and Hunter Renfro. I mean, their wide receiver room is packed. If they could have added Julio Jones at a Raider-friendly price, then they would have done it and let Zay Jones go. Right. But the point was is that that wasn't going to happen. You know, I know this. They're still kicking tires on trades. They're still looking at some guys. I think there is a couple of guys out there 
that if they felt like they could land them, young players, that they would maybe give up a first, an emphasis on maybe. But, uh, you know, but they're, they're still kicking tires. They're looking every second of every day to make this roster better. Yeah, and that's something that Mike Mayock and John Gruden constantly say, that if they can get better at a position, they'll do what it takes to get there. And I think the Julio Jones trade to Tennessee makes a lot of sense for Tennessee, and I think it's a better fit there. So I appreciate your comments on that, Honda. Okay, let's transition into OTAs, and we really want to dive into what you saw out there. And let's start on the defense. You know, OTAs, you can get a little glimpse. You can kind of see how guys are moving around. You can most of all see, and I want to start here with Gus Bradley, the new attitude, the new kind of culture that he's instilling on that defense. Talk about that, because when we were out at camp, we didn't have OTAs last year. When we were out at camp last year, you and I, and we were watching how things were going on the defense, how different of a mood is it? Talk about that intensity that Gus Bradley's bringing to that defense. You may remember when Gus Bradley got hired, I had written a couple weeks before that John Gruden was out interviewing a ton of people and I said, Gus Bradley's the leader, but John wants to go out and listen. And he ended up coming back with Bradley, which was his guy out of the out of the gate, and Bradley got it. But the day he got hired, I was on your show with you, mm-hmm. and I I was I had talked with some players who had played for him, and they talked about he's not an f bomber. He's not he's not going to be John Gruden. That doesn't make John a bad coach at all. I think John's a really good coach, but it's just a difference in personality. But what he was going to do is he controls playing time, all of it. And so if you don't produce for him, if you're sitting in a session and you're on your phone, you're gone. You maybe don't play the next week to get the message, but the second time you're gone. And I'm going to share something with you. I had one person in the organization tell me that Jonathan Abram has fouled him like the Pied Piper, him and Milo. <laughs> and that they, they really said that somebody got in John's ear and that, you know what, you've got all the talent in the world, but you make a lot of dumb mistakes. You need to grow up. You need to be mature. You need to take this serious because you're now going into year three. Mm-hmm. And you know what, you're, you're getting close to being expendable and your career being over if your tape shows that you've got all the God-given gifts, but you don't have the ability to produce. And that, that's a, so that's a guy, Henry Rudge, Brian Edwards. These are all guys that are out there right now playing at a super high level. And I, again, all guys that I think you're going to be incredibly excited about. I'm going to tell you one name, though. Uh, I, you know, we talked about him at Sports Illustrated's Raider coverage last year, Andre James, mm-hmm. and he was getting reps for Rodney Hudson because you know John is smart and John likes to get the, the the veterans breaks. And Andre James looked great last year. In fact, I I talked about his balance, his foot balance was amazing. And so when they looked at it and they looked at the money they were paying Trent, who needed to go train. Trent needed to grow up. Trent needed to mature a million other things, stuff that, and I want to defend the Raiders for a minute. Uh, I know some of his teammates in new England and I talked to him and said, was there any indication of this Trent Brown there? And they all were like, no, he was a great guy. One of my buddies said to me, you know, I eat dinner with him all the time because there wasn't any maturity issues. Mm. So I'm going to defend the Raiders there for not knowing it. And I'll tell you off air who it was. But he said to me, 
Um, Hondo, I just think the money changed them. Wow. So Trent Brown came out, but Trent needed to go. He wasn't available. And then Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, two really good players, <clears throat> but again, struggled with availability. So when you looked at the money they were paying them and people said, oh, my God, look what the Raiders got rid of. Well, what did they get rid of? Yes. A bunch of games that weren't played. So then they go get an Andre James who's going to – I mean, listen, if you think that Andre James is going to be Rodney Hudson, you're on crack because when Rodney Hudson plays, he's one of the best in the game. I mean, he might develop into that. But they go get him, and I think they're paying him a fifth of what they were paying Rodney. Then you got Gabe, okay, but you get Richie Incognito back. And you'd be able to bring back other guys who played and who played well and at a high level. Then you go get Alex Leatherwood. Now, let me just, just say this. If people who follow Raider, our, our Sports Illustrated Raiders coverage or heard me on Raider Nation Radio, because I co-host on Mondays with Pritch and Colt a couple of weeks before the draft, we had Butch Jones on as a guest. Now, Butch is the former Tennessee volunteer head coach. He's a great friend of mine. And he, he coached almost all these Alabama kids at Alabama for Nick Saban. So I had him on to talk about Ruggs and Kenyon Drake, and I had him on to talk about, obviously, other Bama guys that are on the team. But I said to him right on the air, it's available, you can go listen. I said, hearing a lot that the Raiders love Leatherwood. And I had been hearing from people – I had been hearing from people. So people that saw our coverage were not shocked about Leatherwood. Now, I know for a fact of one team that was trying to move up ahead uh, uh, ahead of the Raiders because they thought the Raiders were going to take Leatherwood. And if he didn't, they had already had a deal to work out right behind them to get, a, you know, to get ahead of some, a couple of other people. So Leatherwood was going to go in the first round. It was just a matter of where he was going to go. And so they go get a guy that for three years played basically all seven positions on the offensive line, right. you know, excuse me, all five, excuse me, four of the five, in the SEC and won national titles with Bama. And, oh, by the way, won the trophy for the best offensive lineman in the country. Yeah, I'll take that pick all day long. I don't care. And, by the way, I challenge all of your listeners, because you have such great listeners, you know, Scott, that love you, go Google – what all of the other people who were trashing the Alex Leatherwood pick said about Colton Miller. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say that to you, Hondo, because I mean the Leatherwood pick. It surprised me a little bit. I did not. I did not rail against it. I know some people did, but to me, that's the comparison because we heard. Remember, oh gosh, they 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 went and got Colton Miller. They drafted him too early, and then he comes out. He plays like a warrior that first year with a knee injury. And you know he had he had times where he didn't play well, but he was a rookie playing very tough in that position, and he was playing hurt. And then now we've seen what he's been able to do. And I think that those positions, even though Raiders fans, who are the smartest fans there are in football, even though they knew the Raiders needed to get younger on that offensive line, for some reason they get more enamored with the skill position guys. But you win games, you win championships with offense and defensive line. Agreed. And then they go out and think about this one in the draft. They had a guy that they had a third or a fourth round grade on. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, is every time they picked, there was somebody that they hired, hired, they had higher rated Mm -hmm. that they took. And they stole Jimmy Morrissey in the seventh round. Now, let me share with you about Jimmy, because I actually know Jimmy. 
Um, his head coach, Pat Narduzzi, and I are very close friends. We had him on Raider Nation Radio the day after the draft. So Pat had been texting me, Raiders and Cable love Morrissey. <laughs> they love him. So we talked about it before the draft. This is a kid that walked on at Pittsburgh, became a starter, started four years, and was a captain for three. One of the best centers in America. I mean, a phenomenal player. And he goes out there, and Tom Cable loved him. Tom Cable kept calling him, kept saying, man, I want you. You're the guy we have to come away with. So then they go out and get Nick Martin. And Nick Martin was not on a good offensive team, but he was one of the highest-rated centers against the run. Yeah. So now if Morrissey struggles a little bit early, you've got Nick Martin. But if Morrissey's who they think he is, then all of a sudden they can let Martin go. Then they bring Sam Young in. I mean, I've loved what they've done. Now, don't get me wrong. I totally think that they you know, they have looked at every position. They've kicked tires on a ton of trades. They want to get better. But they have shown fiscal discipline, long-term sense of, view, of, of value. And I want to remind your listeners, on your show, after week six of last season, I made the comment that there was a coming salary apocalypse. And I told everybody, relax, the Raiders are going to be in good shape. They've got contracts that they can cut, people that they can let go. They're going to be fine. And everyone mocked me for my salary cap apocalypse. And then when it started, when people realized, okay, others are now talking about it, then all of a sudden people began mocking me saying the Raiders are, ha ha, they're 15 million over 17, whatever. <laughs> well, you ended everything we told you at week six ended up being true. They were buyers and they're in there and they're there. They've got cap room to move because there's going to be an injury. We, we know it. Sure. Here is the deal. If you don't like who they picked or signed, that's fair. I have no problem with that. But whether it was Yannick Ngakwe, who they signed on day one, or Sam Young, who they signed yesterday, the thing you got to love about this, this Raider team is they're significantly better today than where they were at this point last year. No doubt. They're significantly better today than where they were at the end of last year. And that's all you can ask for from your team is to continue to get better. Yeah, you, no doubt. Again, we're talking to Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated. You can check him out at Hondo Carpenter on Twitter. He's one of the most active and responsive writers that covers the Raiders. And, you know, you have a story up there. You've been you've covered uh, the defensive backfield that we talked about, the young guys, the Trayvon Mullins, the Jonathan Abram. But there's a guy that I watched, and I know a lot of the buzz coming out of camp talking to you, talking to Vinny Bonsignor and some other guys who are covering the team, Jesse Merrick. Um, one guy that everyone seemed to mention and talk about because of the veteran presence and because of his ability and his knowledge of Gus Bradley's system was Casey Hayward. Talk a little bit about him, what you saw from him, and what he means to that team and those young guys helping them along to learn that system and to be ready when week one comes. I am going to tell you right now, I think he's the starter, him and Trayvon. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be there. I think it sends a message to Arnett. Even if Arnett is a great camp, you better grow up. You're not, you know, you're, you're not somebody that can't be gone. But he's come in, and, and to Arnett's credit, Arnett's listening to him. He's paying attention. I want to see a full attention span last throughout camp and OTAs and minicamp. But to Damon's credit, he is listening to him. I want to see that. I want to see that next level. I want to see that next approach. But this guy's come in 
and he's really done a lot. Um, very similar, um, I, I would say, last year to the Jason Witten. Mm. You know, look at the year that 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 Darren Waller had. There was just a couple of tweaks, a couple of little things that Witten did to help Waller. Waller's a great guy. It wasn't like Waller was, was – I'm not saying that there was a difference between him and Arnett with maturity because it's a huge difference. But he was able to, to help guys, Witten was. Now all of a sudden you're seeing that in a really super good way uh, with, with what Hayward's doing. He's taking these young guys under his wing. He's giving them advice. He's talking with them about footwork. So you bring in a guy that's probably going to be a starter – and, oh, by the way, he's another coach. He knows Milas. He knows how Milas thinks. And he knows what Gus Bradley wants. They're just exponentially better. I heard something the other day at camp. It was not a day that was open to the media. I was not there. But I I was told by somebody that I thought was fascinating. And that's that, that they're in, a, they're in a, a drill. And Hayward was yelling at Trayvon Mullen to do something. And then he's yelling and moving a linebacker over. Mm. And the cool part the person said to me is everybody listened to him. He's a corner. He's moving other corners across the field and moving uh, outside linebackers who are across the field from him. And he's got everybody's respect. I'm going to give you another name that, you know, I think it's going to have an impact. Carl Joseph. Mm. You know, this is a guy that gets away, comes back. You know, I, I still think he'll be a calming influence. But again, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, all of the weapons there, all of them. And again, when you look at this team, you know, my job isn't to be a cheerleader. But some of the need media need to remember your job isn't to be negative Nancy either. <laughs> Our job is to tell the truth. And so right now, the truth is this is a better team. This team, you know, then they go on. Let me just show you this about Leatherwood. Uh, Butch Jones said something about him that really stood out to me. Butch goes, and I know Butch well. I know his family, his wife, Barb, beautiful children. And Butch said, Hondo, you want Leatherwood to marry your daughter and to be the guy walking down a dark alley with you at one in the morning on the backside of the strip. Nice. He goes, and he said to me, he is a Lyle Alzado, Ted Hendricks tough. He will fist fight you. Uh, Butch told me, he goes, man, down in those piles, I only heard stories. <laughs> and the way he fights, he goes, but as soon as he crosses over the, over the white line, he goes, he was the first guy to go to children's hospitals. He said when, when injured kids would come to practice, he autographed everything. He said he was acting in his church all through college he goes the nicest guy in the entire world until he crossed the line he goes and then he just he goes he's a raider yeah i mean that i mean what that if you're not excited about that jimmy morrissey the same way i love what's going on yeah, that's that's what that's what you keep hearing about these guys, and you hear about the character stuff, and you hear about the fact that these are nasty football players when they're on the field, but off the field they're kind of bringing to the table that that character and that attitude and that community focus that the, that is so important to the Raider organization. So it'll be exciting. Now, post June first, Hondo, obviously there's going to be some more player movements here, and before we let you go, I just want to hear maybe what you think, and and we're we're not into the rumor mongering, of course, but what I want to know is 
is if the Raiders are out looking and you know and you were in Mike Mayock's shoes, what they might what might they be looking for? If you can go pick up a veteran or a young player that's still got a lot left in the tank and who's going to be a casualty somewhere else because of cap or other reason, uh, where might the Raiders be looking and where might they still have need after their draft, after the free agent signings they've made so far in 2021? You know what? They've looked at so many different places. They've looked at offensive linemen. You know, they've looked at linebacker. Linebackers where they're really kicking tires. And I don't think it means they're unhappy with their linebacker starting unit. I think they're unhappy with their depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would absolutely jump at a chance if there was a top-notch linebacker to add. For sure, I think they would. I, as a matter of fact, I can, I can tell you just without getting too specific that, yes, I know that they have looked at some top-notch linebackers. I know that they've also looked at, you know, some other top-notch defenders looking at who they can add. So they're in the market. And, again, to get a first-rounder out of them would be very difficult. A player would have to be very young with a fifth-year option, and I mean very young. Um, I don't. I just don't think that there. There's a lot of scenarios that they give up a first, but it doesn't mean they wouldn't. Yeah. But they're out there kicking the tires, and I and linebacker right now, they've looked at several spots, but I can tell you that they are really actively looking at linebacker right now. Yeah, that that would be a spot they could definitely use some depth and some some upgrades there. So that'll be interesting. Well, Honda, I want to pre- I tell you how much I appreciate you coming on with us, and of course we'll catch up with you. Camp, you know, couldn't come fast enough, but it's right around the corner. So once camp gets underway, we'll get you back on. And of course, you can catch Hondo every Monday with Pritch and Clay on Raider Nation Radio uh, Monday morning. So make sure you do that. If you miss it, you can always go to the Raider Nation Radio website and check out that one. Also, make sure just bookmark, and you know what, you don't even the bookmark every day just go to the sports illustrated raider maven website and check out the content hondo and his team they're constantly constantly updating great stuff there including some best of lists right now which have been fantastic as far as looking back at raider greats uh so we appreciate you being on hondo as always my friend thank you so much it's been my pleasure god bless you and your family and we'll talk to you soon thanks buddy i appreciate you we're going to step aside for one more break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, and we might even take a caller. That's right. Callers on the podcast, of course. We have callers from our Raider Nation radio show who I've missed talking to, and so we'll take some of those as well. This is the Silver and Black Today podcast. I am Scott Branson, brought to you, of course, by VegasSportsToday.com, your source for all Las Vegas sports, including your Las Vegas Raiders. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Silver and Black Today podcast. It's good to be back in the chair. Good to be back in the bike and talking to all of you. Again, want to thank my guest, my good friend, Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's uh, Raider Maven website. Uh, make sure you catch all that stuff. Hondo's always great, always great fun, uh, and so well-informed, and so we appreciate him joining us here on the podcast and filling you in. And I agree with him so, on so much. The Alex Leatherwood pick, you know, I was a little taken aback by it, uh, but the more you hear about it, the more the reports you get out of Raiders OTAs and interviews from those who have played with them. Listen, the kid's got to prove it on the field, but I will tell you uh, that it might be one of those picks, just like we talked about, like Colton Miller, where people are a little flabbergasted by it, but at the end of the day, the guy goes out, gets the job done, 
improves and becomes a very effective young offensive lineman, and that's exactly what the Raiders need. Just a reminder, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. I know we've been a little bit dormant with my health issues and coming back and all that stuff, so appreciate you being back with us. Also, subscribe. Like I said, go, whether you're in iTunes, you're on Spotify, you're on YouTube, uh, whether you're on Stitcher, whether you're on iHeartRadio, you can find the podcast there. So make sure you do that. Also, check out the website, Vegas sportstoday.com you will get all your Raiders coverage there that we've done for the last four years on Silver and Black today it's all there the archives are all there all the great stuff that we've done on the radio the podcast and on the website with new stuff coming up uh, as well as other Vegas sports like the Vegas Golden Knights like the Las Vegas Aces like Major League Baseball yes Major League Baseball possibly coming to Las Vegas in the form of the Oakland A's. I know, I know for Raider fans in the Bay Area, I apologize. Sorry, I know the talk's probably uh, not making you feel real good right now, but we're covering, we're all over Major League Baseball relocation, as well as NBA expansion. If you're an NBA fan, uh, there's talk this past week, you can check out on VegasSportsToday.com about the ownership group here that's being put together to try to lure an NBA expansion team, or I should say lure the league to expand to Las Vegas. So you can read that up on VegasSportsToday.com. But thanks for being with us here on the podcast. One of the things I'll tell you uh, that I miss about doing a daily radio show like we did on Raider Nation Radio is not the daily grind per se of the preparation because uh, you guys hear a show and there's so many great folks over there. My friends that are still there like Pritch and Clay and Vinny Bonsignor and of course the, the great one JT the Brick. Um, those guys are amazing. What you guys don't see is the prep that goes into it. So I don't miss that grind to be honest with you since it wasn't my full-time gig. But I will tell you what I miss the most without a doubt, is talking to you guys, talking to call. We had so many great callers who were repeat callers who would call in uh, that I missed that. So what we did today is I've been reaching out to some of those callers and saying, hey, call in. I'm recording a podcast. I would love to talk to you. So the first guy that popped up and answered me back and wanted to call in was my good friend from across all the way across the world and I'm talking about down under I'm talking about in Australia and that of course is a caller you heard on our show almost daily because that's how much of a dedicated Raiders fan he is that of course is Rossi the Aussie as I call him even though he's not technically Australian he's a citizen there now right but but Rossi is going to be with us here in a second don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast you can watch on the website we will be doing more podcasts as we get closer to training camp so do that also subscribe to the Evan Groats Just Pod Baby podcast, our other Raiders podcast. Evan's been carrying the mantle throughout this uh, summer and really doing some great, great work over on that one. Make sure you subscribe to that podcast as well. Okay, so we now go all the way down under and we bring in our good friend Rossi. Of course, if you listen to the show on Raider Nation Radio, Rossi called all the time. He's a great, knowledgeable Raiders fan, and it's so good to talk to him again. Rossi, it's been too long. I miss talking to you and the other folks who called in every day. How are things do- going for you guys down in Australia as we come out of this whole pandemic? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit... Uh, <laughs> you, you, you caught me on a on a day where we're actually coming out of a, a snap lockdown, um, it's uh, the, the, the Indian variant uh, took its uh, took its hold in uh, in Melbourne, 
But uh, hopefully we're now on the on the back end of that, and uh, we can get back to, to going to live events, um, <laughs> sport. Uh, there's, a, there's an extremely big uh, sporting event today, uh, State of Origin, Queensland versus New South Wales Rugby League. Wow. Um, and that, that's pretty passionate. I was actually supposed to go into that tonight. I uh, was supposed to be in Melbourne, um, but they've moved it uh, to the north end of the country. But uh, there'll be 25,000 screaming Queenslanders uh, <laughs> going for that's for sure. Well, that's great. Well, listen, so, so we talked, I talked about in the first segment of the podcast, and I talked about it with Honda Carpenter, who was on right before you, about the Julio Jones stuff. A lot of Raider fans really wanted the Raiders to go out and get Julio Jones. I never saw a great fit there. Tell me, you know, you, you've always had great, great opinions on the Raiders, their roster. This wide receiver room is very, very young. I don't, you know, if you could have gotten Julio Jones at a steep discount, i.e. a fourth round draft pick or a fifth round draft pick or something just ridiculous then I would have been all for it I just didn't see the fit how do you feel about Julio Jones and the Raiders not going after him as hard as some wanted him to and then how do you feel about that young wide receiver room after we saw what Henry Ruggs did last year and of course Brian Edwards Hunter Renfro and of course you add two guys now to the mix what's your what's your thoughts on that yeah the the Jones trade is actually really interesting because everybody's just seeing the draft pick Everybody's mm. just saying for, for, for a second rounder, wow, you, you know, you go get an all pro wide receiver, uh, veteran, yeah, back end of his uh, of his career, but certainly would bring uh, a level of gravitas to, to our wide receiver room. Um, but I look at it in a, in a different way. Who, who are we going to cut to mm. afford him? Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, we, we're, in the bottom level, the bottom five of salary cap right now. And I know there's some certain moves and so on and so forth. Um, but the, the second rounder is neither here nor there. It's actually, what else are you going to take away from this team to bring in somebody like that? Right. And you look at uh, over the past, you look at, you know, take away somebody like Corey Mifflinson, you take away somebody like Nick Kukowski. Now, that's just a detriment to the defense. Because we, we, last year, our offense was not the problem. It was, uh, d- despite a lot of the you know, Derek Carr haters, our offense was not the problem. <laughs> right. You and I have had this conversation. You and Honda have had this conversation. You and pretty much every other Raider fan. Even if we just had an, uh, an average defense, guess what? We're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. That's uh, that, sort of... It, really what was missing. Mm-hmm. And so giving up the second isn't the problem. It's actually the flow-on effects within the actual team because that's a big salary to take on board. And so I actually really like, for, for me, there are two players um, in that wide receiver room that I'm actually expecting really big things from this, this year. The first one you've already just mentioned, and it's not rugs for me, it's Edwards. Mm-hmm. If Edwards is fit, I see, for want of a better phrase, a poor man's DK Metcalf in, in Edwards. His size, his speed, he doesn't get his abs out as many times as DK Metcalf does. <laughs> but I see Edwards as being that, taking that bigger step than, than even what maybe Ruggs is. Uh, and I've got no problem with Ruggs. I was, in, I was defending Ruggs. 
quite some time during the, the first half. I felt that, yeah, he, he, he ran routes extremely quickly and his timing with DC wasn't quite there. Um, but he showed, he flashed, it's, it's that term of flashing glimpses. Yeah. But well, for me, Edwards, Edwards for me is the nut, it will become the number one wide receiver. You know what? The other guy that I love. Well, hey, Russell, real quickly, though, I want to jump in because you, you bring up Brian Edwards. And, and for me, uh, I think I think everybody has that in their head that, look, Brian Edwards can be the guy because of what you just mentioned. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got the size. And and that's uh, to your point. It's not it's not to, to denigrate or talk down about Henry Ruggs. I, I always have believed and I and I and I have a bias. I, I admit it that Henry Ruggs will be fine. There was a lot of things at play last year. You touched on a little bit car and the trust factor there the coaching getting him involved in different ways not just sending him vertically but sending him on crossing routes a lot more but Brian Edwards is that rare mix of size I mean you have Darren Wall who's already uh, your largest receiver at tight end and, and 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 really runs routes like a wide receiver too so if you can get Brian Edwards to play at a level and be the wide receiver one uh, and then you talk about freeing up rugs and being able to do more with him as well all of those three guys working in tandem together to to me, is a big key because, and that's why I just didn't, look, if you can get Julio Jones, great. If you don't get him, though, I think the Raiders will be okay. These guys have to perform on the field. They have to get it done. But at the same time, to me, you have the talent there. You just need to make sure that that talent flourishes and you give it the opportunity. I completely agree. It's about putting players in positions to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we, we can talk... We can go in a different direction here straight away with the uh, Paul Gunther, uh, which was, you know, go get a, a player who's been successful at middle linebacker or free safety and move them to uh, <laughs> Mike or to strong safety. We, we, we can talk about that all day long. But yeah. I definitely think Edwards, Edwards definitely frees up rugs. Yeah, Waller's going to get double checked. We, we already know that. That's right. absolutely fine. Um, but the other guy that I think is going to make a really big impact, even more so than, than Aguilar, uh, is actually John Brown. Mm-hmm. I think John Brown, if he is fit, which is obviously a question mark, um, but if he if he can stay healthy, you will see the, the real John Brown. And the real John Brown will take the top off there that, uh, that offense just as much as as rugs and and the speed will will actually kill. Um, obviously, we, we hope that DC then has the time with with the rebuilt offensive line. But I really think that we've actually, uh, as I said before, our offense was not the problem. But I actually think we've improved because we've got Drake. We've now got John Brown. Yep. Um, that has has come in, and I also think that it's a, a, a fine draft pick, whether it's a reach or not, um, it's, it's irrelevant. If, if that's the player of need that your team requires, then great. No. Yeah, so I, it, I, I think it, 
and then you add Rossi, you add in Hunter Renfro to that mix, right, in his role. And then even, a, I think, a, a sneaky goods uh, signing for a guy who's, yeah, lower on the depth chart, but still will get snaps and has performed in the past at a nice level, which is Willie Sneed, right, the, coming over from the Ravens. So that's why, to me, that wide receiver room uh, is great. And you talk about Kenyon Drake. I'm a fan of the Kenyon Drake signing. Some folks were criticizing them for the money they paid for him. But listen, we all know how good Josh Jacobs can be and how good he is. The problem is he can't finish a season. He needs someone to be able to spell them. You needed a 1A running back behind Jacobs, and I think they got that with Drake. I, I completely and utterly agree. I think you're not going to see the workload that Derek Henry gets mm-hmm. with Jacobs. You definitely need that one-two punch. You need the Kamara-Murray type mm-hmm. uh, running back room there. And I think that Drake, despite the money, um, is, is a really good acquisition. It's an up uh, upskill from uh, what we had last year at, at, at that role, um, despite Booker having a couple of good games. Um, and, and Rashad, I, I, I think that uh, Drake... Is actually able to, to take uh, a workload. And the other thing is that, that comes with that is that Jacobs doesn't necessarily uh, now feel that, that his place is automatic. Yes, he's the automatic, he's the starter. I get that. Mm-hmm. But if Gruden has shown anything, it's, he likes to go with a hot hand. And so if, if he sees that Drake is, is gaining more yards, uh, getting more open, uh, and receiving the ball, then you're going to see that increase of workload for, for Drake as well. Um, so I think that, that that move, there's a motivation for, for Jacobs to play hurt a little bit more. And if, if you're not playing hurt, then you're not playing. <laughs> um, but at, uh, at, at the same time, I think that, that Drake move, uh, again, increases uh, what wasn't already broken. Right. And and you know what? There's there's nothing wrong. We talked about it last year. Quarterback, right? When they brought in Marcus Mariota, I know some people thought he would take the job. I never thought that. I know you didn't. But it pushed Carr. It pu- I don't care who you are. If you have somebody who's more competitive, who's a better player that's behind you, it's going to push you to do better. And I think that's also what you're going to see with Drake and with Jacobs is, hey, he's now got a bona fide uh, number one running back behind him as well. So that should make both players better and I think that always especially in the game of football that always gets the team better results yeah absolutely um, you, you've got to be always looking the, the front office has to be looking at the future I, I, I know that we've got uh, a number of holes across the, the various different teams but if we can bring players through uh, to, to push the established stars of this team and, and to your point Mariota is, is a perfect example but even just with that small sample size of the game against um, the Chargers mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the way that DC then came out his connections with Waller um, it, it, it just really did elevate his game and you know he, he was in uh, the MVP shout even uh, without us uh, making the playoffs uh, losing some games. You know, I, I don't think that there is a Raiders fan that watched 16 games last year that could say we lost two games because of Derek Carr. 
right. you know, they, they, that. He, oh, I'm sure there's some. The <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody out there who thinks that he, he lost every game for him. It's just the way it is. But but Rossi, I think, too, be, before before um, I let you go, I want to also ask you, though, you know, coming out of OTAs, uh, they've made these improvements. I think one of the question marks, of course, is that refitted offensive line, although I, I'm impressed with who they have there. And I, and I think that if they can gel together, and, and I think we'll learn a lot about that as we start camp in July. But if you look at this team overall, you you see what has been done at defense. You know the new systems coming in, the additions that they've made there. Casey Hayward, I think, is is going to be the starting cornerback on the other side of Trayvon Mullen. He'll push Damon Arnett, who's, who's, who needs to mature. He's a good player, but he needs to mature. Um, is there anything you see missing, especially on that defensive side, uh, that still concerns you as of today where they still have some time to make some moves? They may end up going out and getting some guys. Uh, is what What's the biggest hole you see right now that as we get to, uh, headed towards camp next month that you still worry about? I think still the, the edge. Uh, I think we, we know that Cleveland Farrell's going to uh, move inside. Um, him, him and Jefferson and Solomon Thomas uh, will, will, will play that uh, that defensive tackle role. Um, Ngokwe, absolutely. The man's elite, uh, elite talent. Uh, and that did help. Crosby take the next step. Yeah, we, we all love Max Crosby because you know, his play in his rookie year last year he got targeted. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the offensive uh, schemes were we'll just keep Max out of the backfield and nobody else can penetrate, and, and, and that's what what happened. And so you talk about Casey Hayward. I'll give you another charger. Melvin Ingram's still out there. He still um, is. Yes, and, and I think that. Ingram is a player uh, that had the right price, and we'll talk about salary cap just a little bit, but at, at a right price, I would love to see him coming in at that third down. And I know we've drafted uh, a couple of guys to, to come in on third downs as well in, uh, in Coons. But I think that there's, there's an element to go and get somebody like a Melvin Ingram um, to, to just coming to that room again, uh, helping Gokwe, uh, help Crosby and uh, and everybody else on, on that line. Um, I love our back end now. I, I agree with you in regards to Casey Hayward. I actually think that that is one of the uh, best moves, if not the best moves that the Raiders have made mm-hmm. uh, this offseason. Um, I think that uh, he is certainly elevated past um, I think both Marlin and, and uh, Arnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. Really like the Morig. I, I don't think the Raiders got enough uh, kudos from from the media in regards to the Morig uh, last week in the second round. Great pick, yes. Um, I, I think that was the the narrative around if they take a Morig in the first and Leatherwood in the second, then we would have gotten A. Just doesn't make sense. It just says to me. <laughs> it, it, it's the value of the pick, and right. surely, it, 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 we got the two players that we wanted anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, it still should be a name from, from that point. But I, I definitely think Edge. I definitely think there's still a couple of guys out there that can help us. Uh, Ingram knows Bradley's system, um, and uh, and Ingokwe can uh, can definitely get freed up with somebody as long as he's healthy as well. 
Um, Joey Bosa has, has always said that uh, he couldn't do anything without Ingram on the field because uh, he, he is just so dominant. Disruptive, um, yeah. And, and uh, gets into the backfield at the pocket yeah. um, better than most. So, yeah, that, that's the move for me. Yeah, no, I agree. But it, it is nice to be talking about a Raiders defense and, and have some excitement around it with what they were able to do there. So so we'll see. And, and I agree with you on the Morig pick. I also think that uh, if you look at what they're going to be able to do from a depth perspective, I, I, I think they need some help at linebacker still. Uh, there, there could be some depth. So maybe one of those pieces uh, will fall into place in the offseason. But, but I do like that defense. And if that offense can improve in the red zone, like you said, the offense wasn't the problem last year. You can always get better. It doesn't matter how how well you did, but but I like the Raiders' makeup. The schedule is a little bit tough, but we're gonna we're gonna bring you back on Rossi, of course, on the podcast as we get closer to camp, and we'll talk a little bit about what we're seeing, and then we'll start heading into full season mode. Uh, but I just wanted to get you on. It's been so long since we talked, and you're you always got great opinions. They're educated opinions. You know your football, both Australian rules and American rules, and so it's always fun to have you on. So I appreciate you being with me man you keep in touch and we will talk to you again soon we'll get you back on the podcast i look forward to it thank you very much all right my man rossi the aussie just good stuff man rossi's good i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do is when we get into camp I'm going to do a complete show with Rossi. That's the kind of callers we had, you know, Q and I, um, and then later Hondo and I had on Raider Nation Radio. And this is where, you know, I understand that every fan base has that 10% of wackos, 10% of people who are just mentally unstable. Every fan base has them, okay, including Raider Nation. But overall, as I said, this is not just pandering. Okay, after all, I grew up a Charger fan. So if you look at the Raiders fan base, though, there's there's nobody more, I think, informed and better. And Rossi's a great example of that. He's a guy, he's an Australian, he fell in love with American football when he was in Europe as a kid because he got Armed Forces Radio. So they used to listen to games with him and his dad. So he got to know the sport and he became a Raider fan. He's been a Raider fan ever since. Now he represents Raider Nation in Australia. And but he knows his stuff. And Rossi is a great guy. He's a good business dude as well. Uh, but we're going to do we're going to do a whole show with Rossi when we get into camp because he's just killer. And then, of course, we have our good friend. Hayden Adolny in Australia as well, who's been a writer on the website and been on the radio show and the and the podcast many, many times. So we have, well, there's such a strong presence in Raider Nation in Australia. I mean, it's all over the world, of course, as you guys know, I don't need to tell you. But nonetheless, it was great talking to Rossi. Again, the thing I miss the most about the radio show is talking to everybody. So we're going to bring on callers here and do segments just like that here on the uh, podcast. And so I know, I'm, I know everybody wants me to get Gangster Raider on, and we'll work on that as well. I've already got that in the works. I don't know if it could be a 20-minute segment, but Gangster Raider's my man, and we would have some fun, I am sure. So we'll continue to work on that. If you're a caller from the radio show, drop me a note. I know you're all connected with me on Twitter. A lot of you uh, direct message me weekly about Raiders news and about me, and I appreciate that. So if you want to do this, you want to do a segment with me on the podcast, I'm going to do that with our better callers, because you guys know what you're talking about. So make sure you drop me a note. Also, 
also, do me a big favor here. Make sure you read VegasSportsToday.com. That's the hub now for not only this podcast, but also for all of our Raiders coverage, the Silver and Black Today Raider coverage that you've come to know on the website for the last four years and on the podcast and radio show. You now get it at VegasSportsToday.com. So make sure you head over there. Follow us on Twitter at VegasSports, the number two day, just like my old handle with Silver and Black Today. Um, it's Vegas Sports, the number two day on Twitter. You can also uh, follow the Facebook page there like that where you get exclusive content. We're going to be doing a lot of video once we get uh, closer to football season. So look for that. We're already doing video when it comes to reports out in the field, including uh, the Big Three Basketball Tournament where we talk exclusively with Ice Cube, which you can catch up on VegasSportsToday.com. Of course, he is a big Raider fan, so make sure you go check out that interview. But I want to thank all of you for being with you with me. I want to thank, of course, Honda Carpenter and my good friend Rossi the Aussie from Australia for joining the podcast today. And thank all of you for subscribing and listening. It's so good to be back with you. I appreciate you all, and I will be back soon. The next time we get together, we'll talk about the latest Raider news, roster movement, and get your takes on what's happening in Raider Nation. For everybody at VegasSportsToday.com for everyone at Silver and Black Today, the podcast. We thank you for being with us. And as always, Raider Nation, may the autumn wind be at your back. Take care, everybody. This has been the Silver and Black Today podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, may the autumn wind always be at your back. We'll be right back.